right, let's see if I can remember how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a it's been a minute. It's been a while. La 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 Welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Canadian. I'm still not sure yet what my <laughs> title should be. A Eurovision, um, like, intermediate from Canada. Yeah, becoming a fanatic, maybe not quite there, but you know, you're really into it now. Oh, I'm definitely super into it. But I, yes. I, I, don't, I don't think that I have the level of, like... Um, knowledge that is required to fully call myself an, a, a fanatic at this point. No knowledge is needed. Smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Wikipedia <laughs> and a notepad. <laughs> it's Googling. Okay, <laughs> I am Kim, a Eurovision fanatic from Canada. Oh, it feels good to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's been a while since we've uh, recorded. We, we last recorded early December. We recorded our Christmas special. We've had almost two months of just gorging on Christmas food and alcohol, I assume. Oh, you, <laughs> I assume it's the same you for you as for me. Yes. yes. <laughs> happy 2021, Chris. Yes, happy 2021. It's a new year. We're getting Eurovision. The orange monster in um, America's gone. Good riddance. Um, Still otherwise, in <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say otherwise, it feels very similar to 2020 <laughs> at this point. Um, but vaccines are coming. It's a start. It's it's only early January, or early late January even. Sorry, it's only late January. This does feel like the longest month I've ever lived in my life. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's um, it's dragged. Um, so yeah, for me in the UK, uh, we're in lockdown again. So, but I mean, lockdown's not the worst thing in the world because it it bore fruit to this podcast. That's right. I was going to say for all of the um, downside, and there are many downsides of all of the things happening in 2020 and so far in 2021 in terms of like COVID-19 and lockdowns. And but I mean, silver lining. I have I have brought Eurovision into my life. Chris, you have brought Eurovision into my life. And I thank you. Um, And we have this bright spot, which is our uh, Think About Eurovision podcast. So a little bright spot in an otherwise somewhat dreary start to 2021, but I'm happy to be back for that reason. Indeed. And to to start the podcast off on a good note, we started with Eurovision 2016 in Stockholm. What a year to start with. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like... (laughs) Every time we watch a new Eurovision, I'm like, well, this is it. This is my new favorite. And then I'll watch another year and be like, well, now it's my new favorite. I mean, I'm just going to stop declaring years my favorite year because (laughs) I like too many of them now that I can't choose. But like, this was so good. Another really good year. It was. Great bangers. But for me, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in more detail. What makes this such a great year, I think, is the presentation of the entire event as a whole. Oh, it was so good. You're right. I mean, there are some years where the songs were great, but maybe the hosts I'm not loving or maybe the postcards are weird or I don't know what it is, you know, but like this year it just hit everything bang on. I really, really liked it. Yeah. And the return of Petra Murder. I can't pronounce the surname. Petra Murder. Yes, I can. I'm not going to attempt. Uh, so Petra and Mons, Mons, Monza, my love, Monza. 
Well, they were great. They were fantastic. I want them to be the official Eurovision hosts who just travel from country to country. That'd be brilliant. I'll be down for that. Yeah. Uh, Mons now lives in London as well. Really? So he's uh, he's turned up on a few uh, British Eurovision events now. Very nice. I I think he did a spectacular job, but Petra was really the like MVP for me. She brought it. I loved she's her. She's so funny. Yeah. Not just brilliant comic timing and she's she won awards like the best comedian in Sweden um previously. So, you know, she's a funny person and well not deserved. just funny. She can dance, she can sing. She's a full, a full on not a triple threat, quadruple threat. Yes. And I mean, I have spoken many times on this podcast about my secondhand embarrassment, my like, like cringiness where I just really cannot take any level of embarrassing situations. And it makes such a difference in my level of enjoyment to have a host who can work through awkwardness and make it less awkward. So, you know, like the the people calling in and and the representatives giving their votes, for instance, like there was a lot of like sort of regular banter where they always they always kind of go off script and say whatever. But she just like rolled with the punches and made it so less awkward and cringy. And yeah. that's a, a, a sign of a truly good host, I think. Yeah, really, really good. It. Uh, but I think we should start at the beginning of a show. So, yes. So we start the show with. And welcome to RuPaul's Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the main stage, people dressed in paper. I know, this like fashion show's flag ceremony (laughs) was really doing it for me. I loved it. All of their paper, weird bobble outfits. Yes, give me everything. It took me a minute to figure out (laughs) that the models in paper were not the actual performers (laughs) i'm probably very stupid but like so they you know it only it took me a few seconds where i was like this year's eurovision lineup they're all models like they're gorgeous but no that was actual models kim like they were walking in between (laughs) yeah i mean i'm still not sold on the flag ceremony but that's probably the least awful one i can think of having seen yeah, that is. This is definitely my favorite of the ones that I have seen. It felt more like a show and less of a filler that I was yeah. just waiting to waiting there, to end. There was something to look at, like like, like you look at anything and what on earth is their outfit all about? At least if you're not bothered about seeing an artist come out, wave, smile, you know, at the camera, and then walk back, you can go. Is is that just like an elephant made out of paper? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of those, like, do you guys have the um, Charmin commercials in the UK? We did have Charmin commercials, although it's now a different brand. I think it changed the name. But um, it was always like a bear with us. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of the wrong toilet paper company. (laughs) Charmin is the bears. Maybe it's... um, I can't remember, but there is one toilet paper company that the commercial is always a fashion show and the dresses are all made out of toilet paper. And it's crazy how like, like how beautiful the dresses can be made strictly out of toilet paper. And it reminded me of this a little bit, like how did they make paper do these things? It, it was so like interesting to look at. I, I loved it. Yeah, and no, the only um, sort of toilet roll um, adverts I've ever seen are the Charmin ones with the bear, which I feel has a different name now and a different character, and also the Andrex ones where uh, a little golden Labrador or golden retriever puppy. Oh, we runs don't have amok. that brand. Yeah, no. 
But um, oh, I, Cottonelle, I think I'm talking about. Uh, Do you have Cottonelle? No, we don't have that. No. no. Well, toilet paper dresses. Who knew? Well, we we now get toilet paper delivered. We get um, who gives a crap delivered. It's like a massive box. That is an amazing name. Why? Ha- why is this not more well known? Uh, they're a good company. I mean, they donate fifty percent of their profits to um, less fortunate areas of the world to build um, toilets where they haven't what? got uh, sanitation. So it's a good company. We're not sponsored by this company. <laughs> just, oh no, I'm we are sponsored of... by exactly no one. <laughs> yes. but you know, just want to mention them. They are a good company. Good to know. Australian really based, cool. but you know, they, we we have them in the UK, so probably in Canada. I should check that out for sure. And it's and it's really good for when people go crazy when lockdowns are announced and they um all panic buy panic buy loo roll. Did like you guys had the whole toilet paper Ugh. shortage as well? We did, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You know what's crazy? So you know how um uh people always find these like Simpsons references about how the Simpsons predicted all of the things that happened <laughs> in the world many years. Yeah. Anyway, So I just saw someone shared on TikTok. I spent too much time on that app. But this was from like 2009, I want to say. And um, the show is Supernatural, which is not one that I watch, but I'm familiar with. And so they showed a clip of the show, which was shot in 2009. And the characters traveled to the future where there was a global pandemic where everyone is locked down and you cannot, like, assemble. And then the guy from the future says to the guy, when you go back to the past, let me give you a tip, hoard toilet paper, because it's going to be hard to find. And I'm like, how did they know that this was, like, it was so eerily close to what happened? It's like... It was crazy. I know, right? There's something out there. Um. Anyway, Supernatural. Yeah. There's a, also has nothing to do with this show, but we're just going off. Tangents. That's what our podcast is about. It's not about Eurovision. It's about tangents. It's about Eurovision and all the various places it takes us. Um. So yeah, it was. Um. We had we had that flag ceremony and. On with the show, nothing really of note because Mons and Petra just slick professionals who know what they're doing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so initial thoughts on, like, the not just the flag ceremony, but just the beginning of the show in general, where we're introduced to, like, the stage and um, and everything. It just, like, it seems very slick, you know? It just absolutely like top shelf very uh professionally done it it really you could tell that this was like gonna be a great show just from the very first few minutes i loved the stage i loved um i didn't see this in the first few minutes but through the course of the show i um everyone in the audience is wearing um light up bracelets yeah Yeah, and that i mean like that just gave such a like fun element to the lighting and stuff you yeah we, I knew I was in for a treat from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing in Sweden. They're professionals. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they have won six times, right? So Indeed. they uh, <laughs> they have some practice. Right. So, shall we discuss the actual songs? Let's do it. So, starting with uh, those we liked the best. Yes. Let's start positives. Okay. So go on, uh, you tell me, because I, I was watching this, I was thinking, I I can't predict what your favourite would be. I actually think that I went a little off-brand 
for me. Oh. Um, so I think that if you were picking one, I think an easy one that you would think would make a really high score for me would be uh, the Netherlands. The Netherlands. I did think what, that might be one, but then I was like, but is it? Well, that was very high up in my list and then just got bumped lower and lower <laughs> as I went on. So it didn't score poorly for me. It was 12th. But I think that in another year, it's one that would have scored much higher. And there were some in my tops that I think were sort of a little at a left field in terms of what I normally go for. But I was not far off of where the actual uh, results took us for the top um, two. Oh. My number one was Australia. Good choice. Good, good choice. Loved it. Until very recently, sort of going over this, that was always my number one. Both me and Sarah. Um, We'll we'll talk about Jamala later, but we felt that Australia, Dami in with Sound of Silence, was robbed. Yes, so I really thought that she was going to win. Um, And uh, I actually, I scored Ukraine number two. So, oh, you! I can see from your face you didn't like that one. Ukraine no. actually was much lower, um, still in my top ten, but it was closer to the bottom of my top ten until I did the recap where I do my initial rankings when I watch the first time, and then I watch the recap that they show before voting, where it's just sort of a snippet of each yeah. song, and then I kind of finalize my... Um, my my rankings and I moved it way up the list in that second walkthrough. Um, I originally had Armenia as my number two, and they scored very poorly. <laughs> so, no, I'm sorry, Armenia didn't score as poorly as um, as I remember. Um, my number four was Spain, and they did quite poorly. <laughs> so I don't know. I was all over the map, but number one, far and away for me, easy choice. There was no second guessing. It was Australia from the from the beginning. Brilliant, absolute brilliant song, Australia. Um, so uh, she was a winner, I think, of The Voice in Australia. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, um, I think that's where she became sort of famous from. And it was the first use of the phrase FaceTime in a song on Eurovision. Really? Which did cause some controversy because FaceTime, obviously, is a Apple-branded sort of service. Maybe not so much a product. Mm. Which does sort of fall foul of the rules because because you're not allowed to like product placement yep and uh, the rules of eurovision song contest prohibit lyrics that contain messages promoting any political cause company brand products or services hmm. so when she sings trying to feel your love through facetime um it was alleged to be uh, mentioning um apple and their facetime um video chat service However, it's not that because it's all in lowercase and there's a space between face and time. So it's not FaceTime the service at all. Oh, right. It's just Obviously, like... Obviously, no, of course not. Right. <laughs> because it's all it's all in lowercase and there's a space between face and time. Obviously. Right. Definitely I mean, not yeah. that FaceTime. Like, I mean, it is... trademark. A, a, it is a phrase that is independent of the service, though, right? It's like, hey, can I get some FaceTime today? That means, can I look at you in the face and, like, it's a, I don't know, that's a turn of phrase 
that that we use so like i, I think that's ah, a sort of turn of phrase that's used by business people <laughs> oh yeah i i work in a very corporate environment and they <laughs> we have um we we have like corporate bingo right where you're like <laughs> how many base. times yeah like touch base parking lot um flight path synergies it's all just <laughs> bullshit that like you can bank on somebody saying in a conference call it's, anyway yeah. but yeah that's one good uh, thing about the sort of company I work for. It's not very corporate. It's a, it's a small company that does big things. But now, now that somebody has left the company, a lot of that sort of language has gone with him. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Just like one guy who's like super corporate speak, and everybody the, was uh, like, the, what "There was is two this of them, called? and one one <laughs> left uh, middle of last year, and one left just earlier this month." And I won't miss them. Yeah, and I can say that because I know my bosses aren't listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like, like I, Good luck in your next endeavor. May your flight path take you to places <laughs> with synergies. <laughs> um, okay, so FaceTime controversy. But okay, so was your number one Australia also? It sounds like it was. Australia came number two for me. Oh, because... who's number one? No. I've got preface, pre, uh, preface this, preface, pre, preface, 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 preface. How do you say that word? I say preface. Preface, yeah. I, I said it and I was completely doubting myself. Got a, an, another cacophony situation. <laughs> this is cacophony. a cap- cacophony situation. <laughs> um, Spain, um, Say Yay by Barry. Now, I love that song. Always did. But now it holds a really special memory for me. Because the first time that Sarah and I went to Berlin, um, which was later in 2016, um, after Eurovision, we we booked our holiday there for Berlin, and we found out that the week that we'd booked was also Pride in Berlin that week. Nice. And so we decided let let's you know attend the parade, and then we went to the um, sort of concert at Brandenburg Gate. We didn't know who was performing at it at all. We were just like, let's just go roll with it, see what's happening. Yeah. And we uh, got off the U-Bahn, sorry, the U-Bahn, got to pronounce it correctly, got off the U-Bahn and went up the steps and walked towards uh, Brandenburg Gate, got a photo with it, as is, you know, the touristy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we walked through and, you know, into the sort of like funnel, into the entrance, got a beer. And then a voice on the stage went, it was like, blah, 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 say yay. And she started singing, say yay. It was only bloody Barret on stage in Berlin, <laughs> not expecting to see a Eurovision act in the flesh. And you were like gobsmacked. Oh, I ran over. I, I did leave um, Sarah. <laughs> so I, was like, I just ran towards the stage. You're like George Costanza in a fire. And I don't know if that is a reference that translates, no. but it's like someone yells fire and he's like pushing grandmothers and children out of the way. <laughs> You're like, get me to that stage ASAP. Exactly. Uh, um, I mean, it's just a joyful song. Yeah. And I, the, I scored Spain very highly as well. They were my number four, as I mentioned. And I was very surprised that they did not come higher in the rankings. They were 22nd out of 26, and I thought that was an absolute shame. I mean, I wonder if it has anything to do with my theory about the Big Five having a disadvantage of not being heard in the semifinal. 
I mean, I mean, could be. I mean, although, what are the other big five? France is in the top ten. Uh, yeah. The UK is is never not never never <laughs> there. <Not>. So <laughs> sorry. Germany, um, which was definitely not in the top ten. Ooh, yeah, it did very very. It badly. didn't do well. No. I mean, um, but to be fair, like I. I I every single song I heard for the very first time when I'm watching the show. I don't hear any of it in advance, so it's an even playing field for me. Though I obviously recognize that this is one person's opinion yeah. and not like the be all and end all. But I mean, like I scored Germany really low because I didn't because it, it was, was not a, a bad good song. song. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Spain should have been higher. I agree. Absolutely. I twenty mean, second it came. And I put it first. Yeah. Which just proves that I know more about music than everyone watching Eurovision around the world. <laughs> so I think that's enough. what that proves. Um, so, you know, what's interesting is that, um, so I actually noted down the rankings given by the jury and the rankings given by the televote. Yeah. And um, so, like, when you combine the two together, out of the top 10 actual results, seven of those top 10 were also in my top 10. Nice. Um, so it was like pretty close, but it was it was like the combination of the two that really kind of like, you know, resulted in it being that close. But um, yeah, so Spain was 16th for the jury vote and it was 24th for the televote. I've, I feel like there's such a disparity between the jury vote and the televote, like Poland, Poland. I mean, was it nine they got in the jury vote? And then they had the second highest amount of um, televote votes, was it? Something like that? Poland was 25th in the jury vote, and it had the third most Third most, that was it. Yeah, I knew it was a lot. It's so crazy. Like, I guess um, having them presented split like that really kind of highlights that you really don't know who's going to win sometimes until you get to the end, because... At a 50-50 split, you know, like, the televote can really swing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's talk about who else made up uh, your top ten. So, yeah, I mean, we've discussed uh, Dami Im, Sound of Silence for Australia. I mean, it was just a great song. Great set of pipes. Yes. On My boyfriend actually... absolutely tiny... <laughs> My um my boyfriend he hears me watching Eurovision all the time and a lot of the Eurovision music is just really not his <laughs> vibe right and so um he doesn't usually comment much but sometimes he stops and like checks out a bit of the spectacle you know I'm like huh hey, there's a hamster wheel on the screen I'm gonna <laughs> take that in for a minute but when um he was uh in the room and that song by us in the Australian song was playing he was like oh now that's now that's a good song right. Like yeah. he, he was like, now that is something that I can get behind. Um, and I agree. It was just so good. And so did the juries. Because yes. they put Dummy in first, didn't they? Uh, the jury put uh, Australia in first. That's right. And yeah. um, they were fourth in the televote. Yes. Whereas the winners, Ukraine, came second in both the jury and the televote. That's right. Yeah. Which just proves what average, averaging things out does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jamala nineteen forty four was neither the televote or the jury favourite. 
No, that's right. But I mean, like, yeah, because Australia, if Australia had been first in one and third in the other, I think they would have won. Yeah. Um, but it was to be first in one and fourth. It just wasn't enough. Um, and then my third favorite, um, Bulgaria, um, if love was a crime by uh, Poli Genova, who we discussed before, because she was offered the song that Destiny was going to bring to the twenty twenty contest for Malta. Oh right, discussion? yes, yes, and this I is remember. a song that she sent. They, they they sent instead, which I just love. I really, really liked this also. I have them seventh, um, so high in my top ten. I had a hard time, as I always do. There's always a handful that I really like, and I have to pick I have to pick uh, an order. And so they ended up seventh, but um, they were definitely one of my favorites. And she's, she just looks so cool. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> like, she just looked like a cool person. I, I don't know effortlessly cool i believe effortlessly cool yes so true um okay so we're in agreement on that one being uh great yeah i mean it's it's a massive sort of hit amongst eurovision fans now is it It, yeah and and you know it came it came um fourth overall so you know it was close to winning right yes fourth Um, is not a bad finishing place at all no not at all and um it scored pretty uh well it's it scored very well in both the jury ranking and the televote and the average of both putting it at fourth i mean yeah. that's a that's a nice spot yeah um but i i haven't i, I got to be honest i couldn't i didn't take many many notes during that one because i just love it so much i was just singing along yeah i mean it was a great song it was a song that i would listen to on the everyday she put on a great performance she had some kind of like light up you know suit on she just looked because why not looked amazing because why not yeah exactly um yeah i really liked that performance as well um i also liked uh the latvian song um heartbeat by justs um again it's that minimal sort of techno pop beats kind of sound that is not something I would normally listen to, but when it comes across, I'm like, yeah, cool music. I agree. I have them at um my number eight. So we're quite in line so far. I mean, we're, in terms of our well. top ten. Yeah. Aside from, uh, you know, I, I don't rate Jamala 1944 that much. Was that was that the Ukrainian That was song? a winning song, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still so bad with the names. I only know the countries. Um, yeah, so like Latvia, it came in 15th, and both of us have it in our top 10. So yeah. I think we're closer aligned than we are with the actual results. But that was another one there. I was like, I, I feel like that's, it's just catchy. It's not one that I would normally put in my top 10. If you look at my um, track record, like I think I generally put the Rocky stuff more of like a rock pop closer yeah. closer to middle or bottom but this one was just good yeah um now i want i want you to cast your mind back to the 2015 contest when mon zermelo won with heroes yes. and his excellent work of using a projection yes how do you feel about russia looking at that going yeah i like that we'll do all of that and some more um, <laughs> I'm the stupidest person alive. I swear to God, because the Russian performance, I was like, "How are they? How are they like suspending him off the ground like that?" And then <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he's he's laying on the floor, right?" 
No, no, it was upright. It's all vertical. It's all projected onto it. I mean, as a feat of engine, sort of, you know, effects and sort of engineering, <laughs> it's impressive because they've got it. You know, he, he, they've got the um, projection cast onto that um, like board, <laughs> and he's sort of putting his foot on like little bits that are jutting out. So he can, like, you know, stand in different areas and move <laughs> up and across. He was laying on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just my in, God. Just entire song, just ro- rolling around on the floor. <laughs> yes, I thought he was rolling around on the ground. And the camera was from above, above looking down. And everyone else and in the-, the audience just going, what on earth is happening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All I can see is his bottom. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so stupid. <laughs> I really thought that's what was happening. No, it was all it was all projection. So they sort of looked at what had worked for Sweden and went, <laughs> Yeah, let's do some of that, but I think they took it a little bit too far. I mean, I was certainly confused <laughs> by it. Um, but I mean, yeah, it does I think they I mean they did something. They did something. I th- I I don't know exactly what they did clearly, but <laughs> it was a show. Um, I, I think you have to go watch that again now, and now now you understand what's happening. Understand? Oh my god! No, you, uh, like I want you to watch it again too. But picture he's rolling around <laughs> on the ground the whole time. So yeah, Russia came in third in the results. I had them sixteenth. They wow. was not yeah not one of my favorites. Uh, so you you had them at what number? I put them at um sixth. No, sorry, fifth. Sorry, fifth. Oh, yeah, so yeah. quite high for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of ha- have mixed feelings on it. So I think they tried way too hard. I think they've done that horrible thing that people do of look at last year's winner and try and emulate it. So Mon's interacting with the projection last year for the year before in 2015 was brilliant. It was new. Nobody had seen it. Mm-hmm. Then um, Sergey comes along. And, oh boy, he interacts with that projection, you know. He starts off with, like, you know, the wings, which was kind of very similar to some that Mons did. But then he starts climbing the wall or rolling around on the floor. Right. Depending on how you're imagining it. (laughs) That's right. Um, And, like, I can't fault the fact that they managed to hide the little ledges that he was climbing up really well. So when you first look at it, it's like, wow, this is impressive. And as a visual spectacle, it's really good. But it's the, it's the epitome of trying too hard. But does it slap? Yeah, it slaps. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a good song. Um, really, there were no songs that I that I super disliked. There are obviously uh, some that I put at the bottom, but this one I thought was good. Just not not quite top ten material for me. No, I'm, I will still never forgive him for thunder and lightning. It's getting exciting. That is a trash lyric. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I wrote a song that I could write that, and that 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 means that means it's a low bar. Yeah, I mean, oh, that said, whenever it's a thunderstorm, I will sing thunder and lightning. It's getting exciting. No, so, I mean, yeah. that's fair. Just gonna do that. Um, so, so what else have you got in your tops? Um, so in my tops, I have, uh, ones that we have not already discussed. I have Bulgaria. Have we chatted yeah. about that one yet? Yeah. Yes, that's lo- If Love Was a Crime. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Belgium. 
Belgium. Oh, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium. Why don't I play some? Because oh, I can't remember them. Um, Belgium was the very first song. She was wearing this silver, yes. glittery outfit. I thought that was just like really fun and happy. I have that at number five. Yeah. Um. I mean, I did not have it that high. It came at 17th for me. Hmm. But they, they started with a cheesy pop bop and it was also the highest scorer in its own semi-final. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I just, uh, I I understand. I think that, like, I can admit that they were not as much of a spectacle. They weren't as big, uh, uh, like, a powerful show, if you yeah. will. It was more kind of, like, fun. It was fun, and it was nice, um, and I thought it was really catchy. And I don't know, I just, it just, like, it was one that kind of, like, stuck with me for, for a bit. And um, it was immediately preceded by one of the songs that I put very close to the bottom, which was Czech Republic. And so I think that, um, I don't know, it was just like kind of a, <laughs> the contrast made me like it even more that I was like, okay, I I really like this fun, upbeat, poppy, just like, like great pop song. Yeah, no, I, I get that. It was a, it was a, a really good sort of starting number, I think, for the contest, I would say. Yeah. It set the mood. Um, I had Armenia in my top 10. We talked about this uh, very briefly, but I don't remember. Was Armenia in your top 10 as well? Um, Just. It came in at number eight. Yeah, I thought that one was really sexy. I like, I loved her outfit. I loved her performance. And I thought the song was really catchy. So I like yeah. that one a lot. Um, Lithuania. Uh, I actually scored nine and it came in ninth. So that was one of the uh, only ones where I scored exactly what the actual result was. Um, it was a little bit basic, I'm I'm going to admit, but I like I I couldn't get it out of my head afterwards. I really liked it. I can't I can't help it. I'm a basic bitch. No, second time we've also seen that performer. They also represented um, it, um, for army uh, for Lithuania. In the Azerbaijan contest, uh, twenty twelve, where Lorene won, but oh. I can't remember them from that contest either. <laughs> I don't remember them either. No, for and me, then, it um, was a bit bland. It was like just a little bit, sort of faux inspirational pop. Didn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, I can admit that. I can admit that uh, it wasn't bringing anything that I that we haven't seen before. It wasn't bringing anything particularly fresh. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, so in some cases, I don't know. I'm yeah. so like arbit- I'm so arbitrary, right? That in some cases, I'm like I have heard this song a million times before, and so I'm gonna rank it, like rank it low. And then in other cases, I'm like, yeah, this isn't new, but it's like tried and tested and I dig it and then I don't know it goes higher um and then rounding out my top 10 is um Azerbaijan so they did not do well <laughs> uh, but them on my list um often... oh miracle yeah um this is one of those ones where I prefer the uh, studio version because I do like when it comes to studio version but what I found on that live performance where the uh, the vocals were sort of slightly off I, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that overall, I I thought their performance was kind of like better as a, uh, 
some, like a sum of its parts. Yeah. Like I, I loved the kind of like overall vibe that it gave me. I liked the costuming. I liked the dancing. I liked, you know, but it, I mean, it wasn't the most powerful vocal performance for sure. No. And it, that, that song was selected through the process of opinion surveys. Oh. So, so they kind of went to people and said, what do you like in Eurovision songs? So hilarious. Yeah, that's not, not, weird I don't think that's the best process. way to write a song. No. Get the opinions oh. of loads of people. And then the last one in my top 10 that I don't think we've talked about yet is uh, Sweden. Did we talk Sweden. about Sweden already? We did not speak about Sweden. So Fran- Franz, if I were sorry. And I don't get how that song scored so highly. I put it number six. <laughs> oh, no, it's really down the bottom for me. I put it 22nd. I thought that if you were going to guess which songs made my to- the top of my list, the two that you would guess for me are Netherlands and Sweden. Because um, I tend to go for, like, I mean, if it were, if they put a female artist and they mooned at each other even more so, <laughs> right? But, like... Um, yeah, I find that, like, I have a tendency to go for almost an acoustic, like, uh, folky vibe, yeah. which I found both of these gave in slightly different ways. Netherland was a little more country-inspired, but, you know. Anyway, so, um, like, Netherlands, it kind of got bumped out of my list, but Sweden, it stayed in the, t- in the top ten. Uh, I liked it, even though it was kind of understated. What is it about the Netherlands and sending country songs? That's what I want to know. I don't know, but that, I mean, so... you've seen The Common Linux from 2000, 2014. That song now, is still one of my favourites of all time from you've now all seen the Eurovisions. Dow Bob with uh, Slow Down for, from 2016. Yeah. And Waylon from The Common Linux returned in 2018 to sing a terrible, terrible song. Uh, oh, I no. can't remember <laughs> it, but it's terrible because it's country. So, you know, it's just that's just the breaks. Yeah, I don't know. I love a country twang, but I like uh I like Americana country, yeah. uh like folksy country more so than modern country, and I feel like that's kind of what they've been bringing, but uh that being said, this this one didn't this one from the Netherlands didn't do it for me uh quite as much, but it's, but it's yeah, that it, pause, that massive pause he takes. Oh, I know. I was like, is that it? Is that the whole song? I was like, that was a short song. And then like suddenly he starts playing again. Then I was like, that's that that pause was too long. I know. At least when when um uh Polly for Bulgaria did it in If Love Over Crime, when she sort of spins around and falls, you know, it's very brief. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like, you know, the song's ended. It's it's a breather, but it's not like a mahusive gap. Right. I literally thought the song had ended. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, spoiler alert: uh, Netherlands came twenty third for me, just just below Sweden, fourth from bottom. <laughs> so we're um, really getting to my bottoms now. Yeah, let's talk bottoms. I mean, I was entirely on the bottom three. I was entirely in line with the results. Germany, Czech Republic, United Kingdom. In that order from the bottom, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. I um, did not disagree with the public votes there. So I had uh, Germany at 22nd, so still very low. I had Czech Republic at 23rd, so in line there. I had United Kingdom slightly higher at 18th. Um, but, I mean, honestly, it could have gone lower. You know what? Was it the United Kingdom where there were two male performers, right? And one of the guys, he gave such 
cringy, unbroken eye contact to the camera. <laughs> D- is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, like, it was yep, just... just just making out with the camera with her eyes. Oh my god, it was so painful to watch. That I hate the unbroken eye contact for like extended stretches. I'm like, why are you doing that? It's not sexy. Please stop. Now, um, now they were also uh, contestants on The Voice, but in this time, The Voice in the UK. But unlike Danny, Danny M, who won her series, mm. um, Joe and Jake, they didn't go in together. They were separate and they kind of, I, I don't, I don't watch The Voice. This is just from research. I don't know if The Voice has like groups or if it's just single vocalists. I don't know. I don't but, know. But um, they, they met, they met on The Voice and then formed Joe and Jake afterwards. But um, they both went out fairly early. <laughs> so the UK, we send people who didn't win. Australia goes, we'll send our winner. <laughs> I, I mean, that, out, that's of, a out of those two strategies, I feel like there is one that makes more sense, clearly. <laughs> Should we send um, rejects or a winner? So, um, my bottom bottom, uh, 26th for me was Austria. And they they scored 13th. They were quite high. They're in my top 10, I think. Sorry, no, just, just, below, just outside 11th. I like that one. Oh, I hated it. I hated and it a lot. It was the only song with no English lyrics. Oh, was it? Yep. Um, I mean, it's not terrible. I didn't even notice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was in French I for mean, some reason, which is not even official language of Austria. Uh, oh, that is that is weird that they chose French then. Um, I should say, like I said earlier, I was like, there was none that I truly hated. But yeah, now that we get down to it, I really, <laughs> I really did hate this one. Um, and I was kind of going back and forth between Austria and Georgia. They were the two that I liked the least, and I couldn't decide which one to put at the bottom. I ended up putting Austria, but then, unsurprisingly, Georgia is 25th for me. So I didn't hate Georgia. It's not my favorite Georgian entry. I like when Georgia go a little bit more weird and out there, which they have a great tendency to do so. Uh, that entry, Midnight Gold by um, uh, Nika something or other and the Lolitas. I can't remember the name of the band in full. Um, it was a bit Strokes-esque, which I don't I, like I... that sort of the Strokes style. But then it kind of went a bit disco-y and like flashing lights and sort of post-punky. And I like that bit. So I half hmm. like the song, which kind of reflects its position for 16th for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I feel like what I... I, I recognize that these aren't bad songs. Like, I think there have been some years where I'm like, that is a truly bad song. I feel like I know that these are um, subjective opinions, but I feel like objectively we can all agree that like that song is bad in some cases. But in these cases, I think that like they were not bad songs. They were just not my jam. They're just were not my style. So the Austria in particular, I think that for people who like that genre of, of music, which... I don't know how to describe it. I was trying to think that I'm going to describe it as anime pop. It's like that. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a, a that, super, yeah. it's like a super fast bass track um, that to me is kind of like nails on a chalkboard. But I think that for people who enjoy that style, that's probably a really good, a really good song. Yeah. So I don't know. I really think that it just came to like, not my taste um, no. and less of like uh, the performance was bad or the vocals were bad or the song was just horrible it was just like eh, not my thing yeah fair enough and then we have a whole bunch of middle of the pack which it sounds like for you know for us in large part we were you know 
pretty similar in the tops, pretty similar in the bottom. So the middle must be pretty similar too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one that came in the middle for me was the winning song, Jamala, 1944, mm-hmm. which I feel as time's gone by, it's crept up my list. I don't think it's ever going to get further than the middle of a pack for me. Because um, what I found is I like the music in the background. Again, it's got yeah. some lo-fi kind of beats and stuff that I like. But I just find Jamala's vocals a bit whaley. Um, and that's before we even get to the sort of semi-veiled political nature of the lyrics. Oh, I'm so bad I don't pay attention to the lyrics. So tell me so, <laughs> what you're talking um, about. Uh, Jamala's heritage is um, of Crimean Tatar. Mm. And in... 2016 russia was busy annexing the crimea i remember and this is the song was about um how uh, crimean tatars were treated um back in 1944 hence the title of the song um where they were um uh being deported um to central asia so it was a little bit Maybe semi-political. It was, um, but it was historical. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's the argument. It was historical. It was talking about history, but I think the timing to bring a song that is talking about how Russians treated Crimean people in that year, and then taking it to Eurovision and saying, "Oh, but it's not about what's happening at the moment." Wink. Yeah. So there's an argument to be had that it's slightly political, and that does fall foul of the rules, but obviously the rules found, you know, it was within the rules. We'll we'll defer to Eurovision on this. Right. But to me, it always felt slightly just tainted with politics, which Eurovision yeah. shouldn't be, but always is. Right. Is that something that like you have found over the course of Eurovisions that there there are examples where people try to sort of subvert the rules in a winky way and kind of get a message in there that there's um, definitely been occasions of people using Eurovision um for politics, sometimes for good, sometimes not for good. And are you sort of like the whole point of Eurovision is to leave politics at the door and this is about coming together with the universal language of music. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see your point here. However, sometimes it does make good, oh, they just did that. I can't believe they did that (laughs) moment, which is also fun. Tasty tea. (laughs) Um, Yes, okay. So that is middle of the pack for you. And any other standouts from middle that you wanted to chat about? Uh, just the big five, really. So we're not touched yeah. on all of the big five. Um, so obviously we spoke about Spain because they were my winners. Yes. Uh, France, they were high up for me. Uh, put seventh. So proof I don't hate all French songs. That's so true. Uh, I have them at 11. So yeah. uh, quite high for me also. Yeah, it's just an upbeat, sort of joyful song. Um, yes. And they also rec- he also recorded the version in Spanish with Barre. Because oh. they sort of became friends when they were sort of promoting their songs on, on the road. You know, like nice. various sort of Eurovision fan parties um, across Europe. They would meet there. And, are and you they... telling me that there are real life examples of a Eurovision song party like the one we witnessed in the Will Ferrell movie? Yes. That's there all are, I wanted to know in life. There are real things like that. <laughs> That's all I wanted. <laughs> that is what I needed to be real in my 
in my life. Thank you. Fire yeah. Saga lives. <laughs> it is true. It is a true story. Italy didn't score very well for me. They came in at 18th. Um, you know, the staging looked like the world's most difficult coconut shy. Do you have coconut shies? No, what is that? Is that so coconut shies is like a thing at a village fate where you'd have coconuts on sticks and you would throw balls at it and you would win a prize like a teddy bear. So all the sort oh. of objects on sticks made me think of like a really difficult coconut shy. Like at a carnival? It's like a yeah. carnival game? Yeah. Okay. We don't do it with coconuts, but I feel like very similar games. Um, but yeah, that was like, I feel like I wanted to. <laughs> um, I did not score Italy very high either. I have them 17th. No, okay. But now remember. That, 18th and 17th. Th- yeah. Okay. Remember Italy and um, sort of her uh, outfit, which was dark and gray, gorgeous, sparkly, but didn't really fit with the um set that she had it was a very this... summery set that's right now think germany and um she was wearing this like bubblegum like style like dress a big headpiece she looked like uh, she'd been coated in pva glue and went running through claire's accessories right i would very much like to swap their uh outfits so that the set matches <laughs> matches one and the other right like both of those i was like i don't feel like the wardrobe and the set decorator got the same memo no i mean like cuz J- jamie lee for germany singing ghost you know like that was her, the visuals were all wrong all wrong Agreed. but i mean if that's her personal style which i think is it is the case yeah you know a massive weeaboo basically you know, into japanese culture and all that yeah if, if that's her thing then fine but you know it didn't fit the song I mean, yeah that's i completely agree it didn't really fit the song and it didn't fit the set and i don't know it's just it's a very much a statement wardrobe and so when there's such a sort of disparity between what you're looking at and what you're hearing i find it a little bit jarring yeah um so that's all the sort of really interesting songs to discuss i think um I think. And there's lots to discuss with the halftime shows. And I mean, so I think we need to move into some of the rest of the uh, the rest of the finale. We, we do, because what a halftime show. I mean, we had sort of three main parts. So they started with a sketch from uh, Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Derek Jacobi from their sitcom that was short-lived sitcom, uh, Vicious. No, that was, I didn't. That, I didn't know happened. the sitcom. I didn't. Yes, I didn't know the sitcom, but I, I know the actors. Yeah. Um, that happened. It was um. It it passed two minutes, maybe. <laughs> Not much yeah, to say think, about that. <laughs> I think it fell a little bit flat, but I still loved them. You know, they were just kind of like reminding me. I think they were going for the vibe of like the two old guys from the Muppet Show. <laughs> do you know it what I'm was talking a bit about? Statler and Waldorf, yes. Yes, thank you. I couldn't remember their names, but yeah, that's that's the vibe. I, I love, and... I love the Muppets. Yes. Um, but th- then we went to uh, Justin Timberlake, who was there to promote Trolls, uh, and he can pronounce it Eurovision. Oh, I, I <laughs> didn't, I didn't like Justin Timberlake being there. To be honest, no, not a fan. I, mean, I, didn't I just like... feel like. I just feel like you're invading. This isn't your space. I just felt like, no. <laughs> that is exactly it. I, I did like a bit where he said, you know, um, you know, I know what it's like to perform for the, f- you know, I, I know what it's like to perform for the first time in front of, and then he turned to Mons to find out how many people. And Mons says, 200 million. He's like, 
I know how it's performing you know, to 200 million people. So, you know, no big deal, you know, jokingly. But yeah. I had a look into this. I was like, have you performed to 200 million people, mate? No. The biggest show I could think you'd ever performed that would have been Super Bowl. And the his Super Bowl 2004 performance had 144 million viewers. So, no, he doesn't know what it's like to perform to <laughs> 200 million until later in the evening. Right, yeah. When he did I, perform I, to 204 million people which was the viewing figures for 2016. And don't get me wrong, I think that he put on a great show. I think that Justin Timberlake is talented. I think a lot of his music is catchy. Yes. I mean, like, I am not a huge Justin Timberlake fan, but I don't actively, you know, like, hate his music. But I just felt like he's not who I wanted to see. He's not who I'm tuning in for, right? Nope. And it's not just him. If it were, if it were Lady Gaga, who I love, if she were there, I would feel the same way. I think um, I'm never going to turn up my nose and watching a Lady Gaga performance. But like, it's just it felt out of place. Like I feel like it, he felt like a bit of an invader for like. Wait I mean, till not we to, come to not to be dramatic. What? Wait till we come to 2019, where Madonna performs in the interval. Oh. Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> I, I, I send sarcasm. <laughs> uh, um, no, I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> uh, but I'm not a fan of Justin Timberlake. And I think his backing, backing vocalists were doing a lot of lifting in that performance. Oh, yeah. He barely sang. Can I just also say, as much as I say that like I don't hate Justin Timberlake's music, and I do think that he is very talented, um, TikTok has been spilling tea. I, I mean, you guys probably have noticed that I... Like, I have spent a lot of time on TikTok on my Christmas vacation. Um, so <laughs> apparently there are a lot of people on TikTok who worked as like servers or caterers or people who were at um, sort of like signings. They pay for like backstage signings or whatever. Um, and everyone says Justin Timberlake's a giant dick. So, I mean, once you know that, you can't unknow it. And it. <laughs> It, uh, that's all I can think about when I see him. You're like, oh, you put on this nice guy act, but you're actually a real jerk. So just so yeah. you, all the people know. No, um, I'm not a fan of his music or him as a person, really. I don't care. Not, not even that I don't, dis I don't dislike him. I just couldn't care less about him. Uh, yeah. I also put in my notes, can I just say, I really don't care for international pop stars trying to promote their latest album slash movie tie-in during the interval. Yeah, th we had it, never had that before. Like, someone's going to come on and promote a movie? No. It was the first no. time. I would have been okay with it, you know, had Eurovision happened in 2020 for Will Ferrell to have performed. You know, if he'd come on stage um, with with Fire Saga and performed Ya Ya Ding Dong and Husavik, that would have been absolutely fine. Agreed. Because that is an homage to yeah. Eurovision. That would have been fine. Yeah. And it will be still be fine if they do it this year. Yes, please, Will Ferrell, and please every do that. year. Just all I want to hear is Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> okay, so let's move on from Justin Timberlake and talk about... I want to talk about the um, video they showed as well, that Sweden, 42 years of mu in music in four minutes. Yes. I learned so much during that. Even though I've seen it before, so many songs and artists I didn't know were Swedish. Me too. I was like actively yelling at my TV. I'm yelling at John. I'm like, did you... Did you know that all of these people are Swedish? Like, I, no I had no idea. idea. Like, because no. like Blue Swede, I mean, the clues in the name, I didn't know the name of the artist, but Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah, I, no I had no idea that was Swedish. Ingrid Mal Malmsteen, I didn't know was Swedish. Europe, the final countdown, I knew they were European, but I didn't know they were Swedish. Me either. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo Stance, uh, 
Nina Cherry. I don't know if first name's pronounced. No idea. Roxette. It must have been love. They're Swedish. Who knew? I had no idea. No. It's my None. life. What? All that she wants by Ace of Base? Again. Eagle Eye Cherry and the Cardigans, so Save Tonight and Love Fool, I thought were British. Yeah. Yeah. Jose Gonzalez. I mean, he's called Jose. I thought he was like, you know, Latin American. Swedish. Swedish. And I also Swedish. learned that Cobra Style by Robin, who obviously is Swedish. Everyone knows that Robin's one we Swedish. Knew. Yes. I learned that was a cover. I, I, I thought goodness. she wrote Cobra Style. I mean, I'm, I've now learnt, heard the original version of Cobra Style, which is like a lot more sort of reggae sort of rock uh, vibes than the, the Robin version. And both versions, absolute bangers. Yeah. So that so video was such an education. Songs. Yes, I agree. There were some really, really great songs. So I actually rewound it. Um, so I watched the, I was like three quarters of the way through before I was like, I must have, I must have misunderstood. Like I thought they were only showing Swedish <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and I was like, wait, they are, this, these are all Swedish acts. And did you uh, know, ABBA, Swedish. Well, that one I did. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few that I did not, uh, that didn't come as a big surprise, but there were definitely some big ones. The final countdown was the big one for me that I was like, John, come and see this. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have any idea where uh, Europe were from? Or did you just like, me? did you know where Europe were from? Have any idea where Europe were from before that? No. Who did? No. Uh, I, like I said, I knew they were European. Got to be with a name like Europe. Yeah, fair. But I would have, if I'd taken a guess before, I would have said maybe like German. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't even ha have had, like, I would not have been able to give you a guess. So yeah. I don't know why I found it so shocking because, like, I didn't have preconceived notions. But, but anyway. so, so many absolute bangers from Sweden. No wonder we yes. do well at Eurovision. Yep. Very good. Um, okay. So then. Now, do you want to talk about, like, Peace, Peace, Love, Love? Is that what it's called? Love, yeah. Love, Love, Peace, Peace. My the God. greatest ever interval act. I was rolling. It was so good. And then every little, like, reference, I I just, like, laughed through the whole thing. It was so self-aware. They nailed it so much. It was, it was so good. It, I mean... You've got the hamster wheel. The hamster wheel. The sexy butter churning. The, <laughs> the like. Makes me laugh. <laughs> I know. The, the shirtless drummers. The grandmas with bread. The like old folk instruments that nobody knows what they are. It, the wind. The snow it was just everything it was yep. so bang on and it was just like such a good nature natured like making fun of itself in a way that like i just thought was so endearing i loved it and and the the, the men with drums I, I mentioned you to look out to, for one of the artists didn't i the hungarian oh, right. performance because they came out with a guy with a massive drum and then they had it in <laughs> love love peace peace so in the same it, like edition of Eurovision, they reference one of the things that happened in that song because that it is a Eurovision trope. Yeah. It's such yes. a classic trope, like just, just so funny, well sung as well, very well done. They performed it 
incredibly. I loved the costume reveal. I just, I mean, I have all good things to say about this. So uh, with the costumes, well, uh, Petra was dressed like Charlotte Nielsen, who represented Sweden in 1999, and it was the exact same outfit. Crazy. Yeah, and he, you know, that sort of chest pop movie does, that Mons does at one point when he's got his chest out. I think but so. E- even that's a reference to an artist at Eurovision. Oh my god, did that so same move. crazy. And the violin and the, oh. I don't know. Oh, Alexander Ryback. I know you would, I knew you'd have opinions about that one. Um, but yeah, I just like, even as someone who has seen, I think, relatively few, can I say that now? Like, I, I have seen maybe fewer Eurovisions than a fan who's growing up watching it would yeah. have. And, and and still, I got so many of the references because that's the whole thing is that Eurovision does have tropes. And, like, there were some specific references, but I think there was also just kind of like, these are things that are not related to any one act. It's just like, you're going to get a wind machine in Eurovision, right? Someone's going to... Second song, we had a wind machine in 2016. Right, yeah. It was just like, I really appreciated it. And I can imagine that, like, someone who got even more references than me would have appreciated it all the more. But like, oh man, it was when the sexy butter churner came out that I just, <laughs> I cackled. Was that 2014 that we saw that one? I feel like it was. I feel like it uh, was. I'll check. It was so funny. I yeah. loved it. And, and and then on top of that, I sent you a link before to the opening number from the second semifinal. That's Eurovision. I loved Where, that again, too. They send up Eurovision fun, in such, such a funny way. So, yes. Just sort of, you know, referencing, you know, bankrupt the hosting tv sta- tv stations you know which is a classic yeah. eurovision trope you know it bankrupts a country who has to right. who has to host it um so so they didn't just have one funny song the whole plot of fire saga is based exactly. on is based on that yeah i mean i uh i edited the two i pre- i definitely preferred the um the halftime show in eurovision but like the 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 finale one what was that one called again uh that's eurovision that's Eurovision. Yeah, that was it was absolutely um terrific also. I loved the kind of like rockets um choreography. I loved that it was kind of like more of a I don't know like musical number, like I was watching a musical, you know? Yeah. I loved it. It was really good. Yeah. Um I I mean they're the only country I can think who've had two excellent, funny, musically good sort of acts from the uh, the hosts yes i can't think of any other country that's done that one of my other favorite halftime uh it wasn't an act it was a pre pre uh recorded video but it was mons in the year after this one when he was sort of passing the torch to those hosts and so i mean like i mean like there's a common denominator here and it's like these two hosts are they bring the goods and that's why i want them let let them host every year and just travel around country to country. Uh, where Mons tried to pass on his skills to the Ukrainian, the free Ukrainian blokes celebrating right. diversity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and they failed to, they, they really sort of dropped that uh, baton. Right. <laughs> yeah, it they, was they fumbled. Uh, a valiant effort, but they just didn't have what it takes to make it uh, not awkward. <laughs> 
um, hosting job the next year. But yeah, so um, I feel like we're, uh, you know, coming close to the the end of the show here now. We have the voting, yep. um, but there wasn't the- anything in my opinion, that was like crazy out there in terms of I voting. I not got much in the uh, terms of notes for the uh, voting. I do want to just uh, share a little bit of love for the character um, comedy act Linda Woodruff, the oh, EBU yes. box spokesperson. Yes, she did a terrific job. I mean, I, I was astounded to learn she's actually Swedish and not from the east of England. Because yeah, she sounds I... like people from around the town I live in at the moment. She's got the same voice. Yeah, she has the same accent. I think we have talked about her previously. Yes, uh, because she's crop, cropped up before. That's right, yes. Uh, I think she's so funny. I mean, um, I've tried emailing her at lynda.spokesperson spokesperson at ebu.woodruff.eurovision forward slash questionnaire forward slash fans come together.co.uk. No response, just keeps bouncing. I'm so surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> You're meaning to tell me that that's not a real email address? I know, I am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. <laughs> Uh, yes, she was, uh, she was terrific also, and just all around really good. And then we get into, uh, the voting, which I think the best compliment that we can give is the fact that the voting was not terribly awkward. The only thing that I have in my notes about the, the awkward thing that happened was when the Swedish spokesperson was giving the points and accidentally said, um, God, what she's, I can't remember what she said. It's like, if you have room in the something you have room in your butt <laughs> do you, do you i didn't pick that? up on that no oh my god i have to find the line but she was supposed to say there's room for your butt like there's room for <laughs> like a seat or whatever but she's like there's room in your butt and then uh and then she caught what she said and she was like i'm so sorry <laughs> that was the only thing that like i was i caught that was like well that that was funny the only two things I sort of picked up on was the Iceland spokesperson had a dog, which was never explained. Uh, yep, that was not explained. Uh, just, just had a dog for reasons. Reasons. Uh, and yep. Malta, their ears are clearly painted on because they gave the UK 12 points on their jury votes. Yeah, that was unusual because that song was badish. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I wonder if some of the sort of instance where the instance, instances where they got their tops and their bottoms mixed up. <laughs> oh god i mean i guess some people like intense eye contact to the camera and a and a song that's you know mediocre that's some people's jam maybe yeah um i mean i, I guess malta in the uk do have a sort of you know shared history and connection so maybe it is some of that sort of political voting that we hear about but nobody ever wants to discuss when it's the uk receiving the political voting sort of favoritism in right. the uk I've always found out it's like they're always like, oh, Sweden and Norway vote for each other. Like, well, of course they do. You know, they've got similar music. Right. S- same with, you know, like, um, you know, um, uh, Spain and Portugal. They'll share artists across the borders. Yeah. They're going to vote for each other. They're going to be like, you know, Greece and Cyprus. They're going to share artists. Yeah. So, but And everyone always picks up on it, you know, when it's those countries. But we're never like, oh, Ireland gave the UK 12 points again. Oh, it's so political. Oh, I've noted that. <laughs> I mean, sadly, de- people in the UK who claim it's all political never pick up on that one. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It was like there was that one year when um, the only copy, I can't remember which one it was, I'm so sorry, but there was one year when the only copy that we could find of the finale, it included commentary. 
it was commentated yes, from the it, UK. Yes. And and so the commentator was a hundred percent commentating to like whenever there seemed to be reciprocal voting. So for instance, when there was like Greece and Cyprus, he was saying like mm, sus- something suspect here. And then when like when I think like Ireland maybe didn't give UK twelve points or something, and he's like, "Come on now, I thought we were friends." We're like, what, yeah. "Sir, sir." Do you not hear your double standards? <laughs> Complete double standards there. Um, I think that was a Terry Wogan uh, doing the commentary yeah, on that one. That sounds that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so all things considered, 2016 is top top of my books. Uh, for now. <laughs> for now, yeah. Until next week. Um, but yeah, like it was, it was really really good. Um. Well, my new favorite. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I loved it. Well, next time we're going to be going back in time again. Oh. A fair bit. I mean, this, this entire podcast is all going back in time, but we're going to go really back in time because I wasn't sure which year I was going to do. And then they mentioned it in before they got to Love, Love, Peace, Peace. Uh, in the introduction where they mentioned in 1969, four countries split the win. All right. So I think we need to settle something. And we're going to find out who wins. Who is the true winner of the 1969, yes. And see if we can come to a consensus who should have won. Okay, according to us, we will have one winner. Or maybe two winners if we disagree. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You know, that's half in the amount of people having to share the title. That's true. We're still making progress here. Yeah, so baby steps, baby steps. Well, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, so next time, 1969... In glorious Technicolor. Just. Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to be an interesting one. And, and um, I forget which, which country it was hosting. I can't remember now off the top of my head. I'll that. We'll find <laughs> out when we, when we watch it. <laughs> okay, well, um, this has been great. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Now, uh, there are some new seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race that I think we've both been watching. So maybe we should take a little break and then come back and chat about that. I think we absolutely will. So, until next time, we'll see you uh, in a fortnight for the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. La 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 Right then, so New Year, New Drag Race, and we got two series running at once. We have US uh, Drag Race US Season 13, and we've also got RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 2. And I, I will say season for the American one and series for the UK, because we just call it a series in the UK. I will probably say season for both unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we'll start with the one that launched first, and that's uh, Drag Race US Season 13, which launched with the, an episode that was simultaneously the most boring episode of Drag Race I've ever seen, and the most mean-spirited episode of Drag Race I've ever seen. I hated it. I really hated it. Yeah, um, it was... 
Season 13 is not off to a good start, in my opinion. I think that what shows that have been on this long have a tendency of doing is they switch things up for the sake of, you know, trying to keep things fresh. But this was like a, a switch up that I just did not enjoy. So we are four episodes in, but we have only eliminated one queen at this point, And it's because of this whole pork chop thing that I just did not enjoy. It was. It wasn't fun. Imagine, because the, the, you know, the drag race queens that they invest, you know, thousands of dollars, um, in, in the American one, you know, of their own money that they've scrimped and saved, and you know, took out loans to get their looks together for you know all this sort of briefs they were given ahead of time, and yeah. then to be told, oh, you've lost the lip sync off your trot, yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. Bye. I, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm going home now. You know. Perhaps they yeah. were thinking they can only have a certain amount of people in the workroom because this was the first drag race recorded under um, COVID restrictions. So right. They might have been thinking, oh, can they only have you know half the amount of queens this year? Are they getting rid of half of us? You know, straight away. And then they get to the pork chop loading bay, and they're all just like wondering, like the some shenanigans afoot here, but what? And then. They're told they have to eliminate one of their fellow losing queens. That is on first my impressions. absolute. Yeah, like that's that mean. that is always. Um, so it's it's n- never done in this exact way before, but every year they always do the who do you think deserves to go home and why and yeah. that is i always hate it i fast forward the i fast forward that section because i find that it is. Uh, mean-spirited and yeah. there's no reason for it other than to cause drama and i'm not gonna lie drama is sometimes entertaining but that particular sort of trope that they always do is not something that i like watching it's and i think no and so in this case it was very much that vibe where it's like you're just pitting them against each other but even worse because then they can't even say report card is the reason why because normally they can always fall back and say i'm gonna say so and so simply based on the runway tonight or simply based on the feedback from the judges or whatever but in this case it's like you're going home because my first impression is i don't like you that much like i don't know it's just i don't know i feel i do feel like i have to preface this by saying that like i know that we like launched into like um, taking a dump on this season like pretty you know pretty uh early on from the beginning i will say that low that like drag race even at its worst is still very much comfort viewing for me oh yeah i in- i enjoy it always so like obviously there's some seasons i like better than others and there's things that i would like to see done differently in some cases but like it is still I mean, even when I hate the show, I love the show, if you know what I'm saying. I get it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, it started off with a, a sour taste for me. And yeah. I literally, I mean, not only was it mean spirited, it was painfully dull. Yes, it I was. I want to get it to know boring. the queens. I don't want to just, I don't mind the lip sync, lip, lip sync for your life at the end of each episode because, you know, you're invested in like, who you want to go. You, you, you've kind of sort of said, oh, I like what they've done. But it was just, yeah. it was just like a lip sync for the win, uh, uh, and you know, you didn't get to learn much about the queens at that point, right? Um, meh, and then then they sort of top it off with a cliffhanger as well. So it's like, 
oh great so i've not even got any satisfaction of knowing what's happening yes so yeah i hear you unsatisfying first episode so yes i totally agree on the first episode there are some things though that like now having watched the first four episodes there are some good things that have come out that i you know can uh can raise it's not all bad so like i i will say that one of the scenes that i mean it's like one of my new favorite drag race scenes of all time is when the team was trying to do the choreography and they had like the three queens who are all choreographers do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah. so like denali joey J, and elliot for two t's i think it was because elliot was oh. st- was it elliot standing back and be like i'm not getting involved i'm standing back no, it wasn't. Was it? Oh. it wasn't the A team. It was the B team. Oh, when, right. Right. Do you know who I'm talking about? And so, so this would have been an episode three, I think. Yeah. And so then it was like, it was like these three queens that are all talking about these like technical, you know, dance choreography or whatever. And Tamisha Iman was the one who was like. I cannot handle this nonsense. I am going to set these girls. You know, she's like a seasoned queen who has no time for this like shenanigans. Yeah. I just, I like, I just loved it. I laughed out loud. It was really hilarious to me. Tamisha is um, uh, a standout for me as one of my early favorites, um, though I like her personality more so than I think that she's um you know maybe the top contender i think simone yeah, is I mean, a really strong contender because um tamisha says that rather than you know even though it's a, you know it's called rupaul's drag race in her professional career she considers herself a female impersonator rather than you know a drag queen so drag queens tend to be a bit more over the top and theatrical where she's like i you know she she you know impersonates women that's what she's her background is in it's more sort of realistic um, oh. I, I believe it's kind of more towards that sort of um, ball culture, I believe, from what I've oh, learned through kn- Drag Race I did not and know watching, the difference. Um, oh, what's that brilliant TV show called? It's all about the New York ball scene, and I can't think of its name. Pose? Pose, yes. So yeah. my, my knowledge of the ball culture is through Drag Race, Pose, and also Paris is Burning. Yeah. So I am by no means an expert, but what I believe is female impersonation is kind of more in that culture which i totally if that is the case and i'm correct on my how i've read it you know i i mean she's brilliant what she does and that that feels about right rather than you know drag which i think is more theatrical and over the top mm-hmm. that's how it is in my head whether i'm wrong on that i'm happy to be told i'm wrong yeah no i mean that sounds like it makes sense to me and i mean for me it's just her personality i just love that she is like this incredibly seasoned kind of um you know borderline crotchety because <laughs> she's you know she's just like she doesn't have time for all the nonsense she's been and shenanigans. The a few times. that's right exactly i just love that i love that you know like she's you know putting some of these younger queens in their place a little bit and um uh, so I don't have, you know, besides that, I don't have any like crazy standout favorites um, in the in the U.S. one. Um, same. I, uh, I like wait, Got Mick. Got Mick's yeah. really got some really interesting looks. Um, yes. Um, Olivia looks. She's doing quite well. And she's Timon. so gorgeous. Olivia is gorgeous. Yeah. I sort of first episode i like utica queen but she's um 
Uh, it's like it's time. It's right. I'm gonna cross a bridge into Drag Race UK, but she is like, oh, I'm so kooky, and it feels a bit put on. Whereas you look at Drag Race UK series two, Ginny Lemon, she is just kooky. Yes. Yeah, I thought you were going to make another comparison to Drag Race UK because I made the same comparison in my notes, or I should say I made a comparison that I thought you were going to make as well, which was Utica Queen and Veronica from Drag Race UK. So um, less so in the way that they are kooky and more so in the way that they both strike me as like very naive, very sort of sheltered. They haven't, um, you know, they haven't like seen it all. They haven't been around the block, you know? And so um, in a way that I feel like Veronica really kind of sort of uh, has a soft spot for me because she's like so naive in a way that I find just like, (laughs) kind of adorable Utica is um sort of like I don't know just kind of awkward (laughs) and uh like I thought that she was kind of gonna be um kooky in a way where she was like unabashedly herself and she is a kook and instead it's kind of coming out a little bit just sort of awkward like she doesn't know who she is quite yet you know what I mean I I, I mean I I wonder is because Apparently, she's a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know much about that, but I know it's a a type of Christianity. And I wonder if it's because of that she's kind of, you know, where where she's trying to sort of be herself and maybe some sort of religiousness is kind of holding her back. I don't know. It's a little bit weird. And that whole thing on that last episode where Rue was asking if she's ever smoked weed and it all got a bit awkward and Rue almost pissed himself laughing. It was so awkward. Oh, my God. Rue laughed so hard. Like, so much harder than really I think that he needed to. But it wasn't because Utica was actually funny. I think that it was because Utica was so awkward that 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 made it so funny, you know. But yes, um, so so a quick note that um, so Got Mick, she is the first, uh, I think, op- I think she is the first openly trans drag queen who has been on the show. There have been tra- trans drag queens in the past, but yes. not openly at the time of filming, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I noticed that RuPaul has also uh, changed her language to be more inclusive. In, yes. Um, so, yeah, so, the, so those are uh, some nice wins to see. Yeah, so um, you, t- uh, not you, t- sorry, um, Got Mick is um, assigned female at birth. Um, so she, uh, you know, out of drag, he, him pronouns. Yes. Um, right, whereas anyone else who's been trans on the show has was assigned male at birth um, and has transitioned either partway through production or after. Right, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love like she says, you know, you know, she, um, she was born female and now she dresses up as women for yeah. her job. <laughs> yeah, so true. But um, yeah, I know that that is something that RuPaul has been uh, rightfully criticized for in the past. And so... Um, I like think the time when is... he tweeted the trains pl- tweeted the train landscape flag rather than the trans pride flag. Oh, I don't know. I didn't oh, know about that. So uh, RuPaul, uh, back when he was getting a lot of flack for you know his uh, ideas about trans competitors, tweeted something that was supposed to be in support of a trans community, um, and he tweeted it along with a picture of like a sort of a free stripe flag that was like a. Um, yellow and green stripes obviously he'd mistyped trans and typed trains 
and he tweeted a photo of a watercolor painting called Trains Landscape, and it's like three bars of colors, like greens, yellows, rather than the trans bride flag. <laughs> so he literally just tweeted the first thing that he'd seen and not really read it. Ah. <laughs> uh. Right. So, <laughs> so, a bit of an empty gesture. Um, so I was kind so, of sad about when he ke- when they did the trains uh, runway theme. Nobody came out with green, yellow kind of train. Oh, that would have been such shade. Uh, that would have been funny. Um, okay, so uh, shall we move to a bit of a more in depth discussion on? The UK yeah, cause series two. Less episodes, only half, you know, got half as many episodes and it's much more interesting, I think. Yeah, it feels just so much fresher to me and um, I I am enjoying it more than the US uh, season, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I am and I didn't enjoy uh, series one of Drag Race UK more than, uh, you know, the corresponding series of in America that came out that same year. Um, after comparing, you know, comparing it to the US one, where we've had four episodes before somebody's gone home, I I was like watching it and like thinking, when I saw that there was a um, uh, spoiler alert, and it was not listen- watched the last episode of Drag Race uh, US, uh, Kimora Hall went out first, and I saw that she had her watcher packing on Netflix, on not on Netflix on YouTube with Michelle Visage. I was like, oh, there's like going to be some more episodes to catch up. I'd forgotten about that. No. There isn't. She's the first one out. Right. I'd forgotten yes. about that. And obviously we've now lost two queens. We're down to 10 on Drag Race UK already. Yeah. And so I, I should have looked this up instead of uh, putting you on the spot. If you don't know that that's fine. Um, but is the length of the US Drag Race season um, the same number of episodes or longer? Because we went four before we saw someone go home. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many episodes are in. I think we're getting a longer series because last year we had ten contestants in Drag Race UK. This year we've had twelve. So I think we got I think we got ten episodes this year for Drag Race UK is what I seem to recall right. seeing. So Drag Race UK, it's like progressing as, you know, you would expect it to, where we have two episodes and we have two queens who have gone home. The Drag Race US, what I wonder is because they didn't send anyone home for the first three episodes, if they're going to drag the season on longer. One of my um, criticisms of the Drag Race is I feel like they're a little bit guilty of milking too much of a good thing, um, yeah. particularly in, you know, they they have done too many spinoffs, some of which I think have not been very good and then the hour and a half long episodes i think could be shorter than they have untucked if they're also making the season longer i just feel like you just need to to you know give us the goods um without dragging it on to the point that we're like just get on with it already That's- i feel like it's a very british thing so you think of like um british sitcom the office we had mm. two series of that both six episodes a series and one Christmas special. Yeah. I mean, how many episodes and se- seasons is the Office America, US Office on? It, they'll have like... So you know, many. They'll be on like series 15, 25 episodes per series. You know, it, I think it's just a British way. We, we, we don't... We're not so self-indulgent. <laughs> <I think. laughs> you just get, get down to brass tacks. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. Well, uh, these first two episodes have been excellent. And unlike uh, the US where I don't have any sort of like clear favorites or standouts, I'm still kind of getting to know the queens. I found that in just two episodes, I have gotten to know the UK queens very, you know, quite well. They, They have such great personalities that, I mean, there's already some standouts for me. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's we've had a chance to actually get to know them straight away. I think yeah. possibly because, you know, American Drag Race, it's, you know, one TV hour plus adverts, you know, including adverts. Um, whereas the UK one, it's it's a BBC program, so there's no advertisements in it. So it's like one hour, one hour, 15 minute episodes. So it's longer, well- episode, slightly longer episodes. And there's one, there's only one fewer queen, so it's 12 compared to 13. But it didn't start off with, you know, lip, no no introduction to Queens, just lip sync after lip sync after lip sync. Right, for sure. The the US episodes, they're an hour and a half. Uh, inc- oh. <laughs> yeah, an hour and a half, including advertisements. So I think that if you take the advertisements out, that they're about the about same length. Yeah. But I agree that the way that they spent their time was very different. And so we got to know the Queens a lot more quickly in the UK. And so we have chatted about this already. So listeners, um, FYI. So without telling me who, Chris... Uh, sent me a message to say the person I picked to win go ho- goes home first. And yeah. then about 10 minutes into watching the episode, <laughs> I, when I had had just seen the like queens come into the workroom, I had pegged who I thought that was. And I was right. You were. But interestingly enough, like I said, they weren't my favorite. Oh, I really like them. Uh, so yeah. spoiler alert, we're going to discuss who's gone out first. Joe Black. So I, I'm finding, what I'm finding really weird is people use, because, you know, people use, um, you know, she, hers, you know, pronouns when talking about drag queens. Yeah. Because I, I've known about Joe Black before they did drag. So I tend to use he, him pronouns for Joe. Right. Because I, I remember seeing Joe at burlesque events, you know, performing with musical saw or the accordion or his ukulele. In my head. Joe Black is a cabaret performer who has then moved on to drag, which I think is essentially is the case. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I, I find it really weird hearing him be called her by people. I find it really weird. Well, you know what maybe it is, is that in a lot of cases, I think that that um, the like the the drag queens see their drag persona as separate and apart from, you know, so they'll like talk in third person, you know, yeah. they'll talk about, they'll talk if their name is, um, if their boy name is like Fred, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, I just, the first name that came to my mind and Fred is talking about his drag persona. Then he talks about her as a third person, yeah. right? Like, but um, if Joe Black is Joe Black, either in or out of drag and you know he is a performer as both and sort of sees it all as one i don't know if i'm being i don't know if that's making sense what i'm saying but i'm suggesting that maybe that's why is that like he doesn't see um his joe black persona as being different from his boy persona does that make sense yeah no it makes sense (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know i don't know but i'm just kind of saying you know maybe Maybe that's why. But Maybe. I have no idea. I am not but, the person to talk to on that. But despite all that, I mean, uh, Joe Black was one of my favourites. Just not... It, after sort of, getting, you know, watching the Meet the Queens, I had an instant favourite, who we'll discuss in a moment. 
But Joe Black absolutely was one of my favourites. I thought he would walk it, given the, his pedigree of performance skills. You know, he, you know, like, like uh, you know, Tamisha, he's been around the block, you know, on the stages of the UK. I've seen him perform. He can perform the house down. But he got unlucky because I I, I completely disagree about with Michelle that his first look, the uh, queer, queer UK um, queer icon, um david bowie like it was obviously david bowie obviously um for life on mars look but i did when he came out in this in the hometown look so i don't know if you've ever been to brighton when you visited the uk so brighton pavilion is white on the outside now joe has since you know tweeted you know it's it's gilded you know top to bottom inside I've never been inside Brighton Pavilion. So when he first came out in that gold look, I was like, oh, I would have done something about Brighton Pavilion, maybe. And then he says, mm. it is Brighton Pavilion. I'm like, is it? So I don't know if I necessarily agree with him being in the bottom two for that week. But when it came to that lip sync, I do agree Eesh. with the decision that was made. Yes. I'd like, so yeah. I mean, Joe was an immediate one of my favorites um, from the first impressions when they were coming into the workroom. And then um, he just didn't do as well. Uh, now I'm doing it. He, she, <laughs> she didn't do as well in the rest they, of the episode. Good, as good time to use they pronouns. They, they pronouns. Um, they didn't do as well in the remainder of the episode as I thought they were going to based on the first impression. I really thought that they were going to be a powerhouse. And then yeah. it, it was from the moment they were doing the photo shoot. So it was the first mini challenge that Rue gave this sort of like awkward look about do you, do you remember? I don't know. There was a moment that was when I was like, okay, like they're not doing well. That 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 sort of, you know, not their wheelhouse. And I think if we'd seen them, you know, in the Rats episode, the Rusical episode, would have done much better. As I know, yes. Joe is a good singer. Um, and probably I loved done... that episode. <laughs> Side note. Yeah. But I think Joe's biggest failure was doing the bit during that lip sync of relax don't do it so he relaxed and didn't do it subtext yeah. is never gonna go down well with rue <laughs> no. remember rue is american <laughs> right yeah spell it out um yeah i uh, i agree so i was disappointed i did want to see more of joe black but um that being said uh by the end of the episode they weren't my favorite um so we share um a new favorite though i they're one of like three for me, but they're not going to win. But Ginny Lemon, Ginny Lemon, and I think Ginny Lemon knows that you know they're not going to win. Yeah, I I think Ginny's gone in with a chance that this is a great chance for me to expand my audience, possibly do well in some of the challenges, especially the comedy challenges and the music challenges because I've le- heard some of their music, which is really good. They do like really clever things with looping pedals. Okay. So yeah, you know they're they're a proper sort of talented musician, um, but oh, just so funny, so so funny. And yes. I think we need to discuss episode two because that reveal in the surprise surprise challenge, where Ginny sort of tears it away, it's like it's the same dress. <laughs> we laughed then, so hard, and the then the hairiest butt. <laughs> The hairiest butt. Um, yeah. 
She's hilarious. Like, I I am really enjoying her. I really enjoyed that entire rap musical. I thought that there were a lot of great performances in it. It just felt like fresh to me. The other standouts for me that I am that are coming to be my favorite. So uh I'd have to look at the names because I still don't know all the queens. Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence Cheney. Yes. Lawrence is brilliant. Lawrence Cheney has emerged as one of my favorites as well. So I'm definitely loving the more comedic queens in the UK season. Yes. I really like Tia Coffey. Um because because I know that Tia Coffey is a Eurovision fan. Massive oh. Eurovision fan. And also a Doctor Who fan, so you know. As a now, Doctor I... Who fan, Eurovision fan, I've I've got a root for her. Um go on. I I don't think that Tia Coffey is going to be in the season for long. I think that just having seen the first two episodes that she is not bringing it quite as much as some of the other Queens. No. Um, so I, I think that she might be one that's at risk in the next few episodes. I think she possibly could, could be, but I mean, the, the invitation's there for tea or coffee to come talk about Eurovision with us. If she wants oh, to. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I should uh, don't listen to the last 30 seconds. If that's <laughs> <laughs> if she's coming to talk Eurovision, I don't want her to hear me say that she's not doing great. Uh, let's be fair. There's no risk of her listening to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I just think the cast is very, very good. I, I was a little bit surprised that Cherry Valentine went home so early, um, but I don't disagree with the decision based Same. on the performance. So yeah, just all around a good cast and so good queens are are going home but that's what makes it good tv yeah um now i've got a, also a route for veronica green because she's from lancashire like i am i do find yes. it weird when it, when all the queens are like you know i'm from newport in wales i'm from liverpool in england glasgow worcester dundee norwich all towns and cities and veronica's just like lancashire the entire county of lancashire <laughs> no, it doesn't mention where in Lancashire, which is Rochdale, which I just think is quite funny. Like, you know, someone from my county is just, you know, defined by the entire county as a whole. This actually, the, these introductions of the queens and where they're from made me realize that um, the UK treats the varying areas within it not just of course the difference in countries but then also within england for instance whether it's the south or the north or whatever it's very similar to the way that in canada we treat provinces yeah so it's like oh like oh you're from ontario i i i know what you're about then oh you're from alberta so i have <laughs> an impression of of you based on because like albertans are cowboys and ontarians are I don't know, like the snooty province. And, you know, it's just like you have a bit of an impression just based on the area of the yeah. within the country. Like for us, you know, we've got up, people from up north where I'm from. We work hard. We do manual labor, even though, you know, I work in an office down south. <laughs> people down south, <laughs> they're all office workers who work in banks, basically. Right. That's gotcha. how it is. Yeah, it's just I. I mean, I feel like I just I I learned a new thing about um about that in the UK. I don't know why that is such a like. <laughs> I don't know why that's such a novelty that I that that people from different areas have different characteristics. I guess maybe it's just like you know, okay, Canada provinces are not that unique. <laughs> 
So so now that um the the queen we thought was going to win Drag Race UK has gone in the first episode. Mm. Who do you think's going to win? Oh, it's early yet. Um I agree that I think that uh Ginny Lemon might be one who goes for a good distance but might not take the crown. I think Lawrence Cheney has a greater um possibility of winning i think that uh estina mandela am i saying yeah. that right yep. yeah she she seems to be uh um you know a good contender um i think tace is the most beautiful queen but i don't know that she's well-rounded enough to take the crown so i think tace is gonna I make th- it to the second half because i'm i'm certain that her changing hair out of drag in the confessionals mm. is due to the uh break during the first lockdown in the uk oh in interesting so oh there that's a, some detective there's a work break where we're going to go from the judges all sat together to the judges between perspex screens um so there's going to be a, a, the, a halfway point there's going to be i'm sure they'll acknowledge it in the in the episodes right you know what was filmed before social distancing had to be brought in yeah, fair. And I think Tace is going to make it to the latter half of the contest. I think I, I would Mon- not be surprised. My early sort of prediction is Astina Mon- Mandela, just because she's really good, and I think she fits what RuPaul's vision of drag is more. You know, yes. quite high fashion, but you know, still, you know, she's a nerd. You know, her Meet the Queens look was based on Star Wars, not my cup of tea, but I know people like that. You know, she's she's got. <laughs> I don't know why it's rubbish, um, but you know, she's not just looks, but she has got some sort of something else there. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, she. I don't care if the jacket was from ASOS, which I don't know if you have ASOS in Canada online retailer. We don't, but I still sort of yeah. I got the reference. Who cares where they got it from? It looked like girls doing East London. The look was down to the tea. Yeah, I mean. I agree. I don't, it doesn't, I mean, like, I th- I think that <clears throat> the judges are a bit guilty of saying sometimes it looks like you could just buy it in a shop. And they say that as a criticism. And so, um, you know, the queens are like, well, it just looked like she bought it in a shop, but it's the way you use it, right? And exactly. so she used it in a way that she pulled it together beautifully. It absolutely um, hit the nail in terms of what the... Um, uh, challenge was asking of them and so like i i do think that there is um an element of economic status that plays a part in how successful queens are on the show if they have you know gowns that are handmade and cost many thousands of dollars versus you know one that is more plain and you know more affordable frankly like i do think that there's an element of that but then there's also um a way that you could use a jacket from asos and put it together in a way that like brings the looks it brings the um you know the goods and it answers the challenges so i don't think that that was fair criticism either no the girls are going out on the town in east london and getting you know some fried chicken on the walk home they're not in elaborate gowns they're in clothes they bought from asos yeah yeah exactly um well i think that uh you know I'm very happy to have lots of drag race right now while we are sticking close to home. And UK season in particular is like really doing it for me. So, so happy to be much back. Better. So much better than the American season. <laughs> better than the Canadian two one, I have to say. 
<laughs> Although yeah. I have a newfound appreciation for the Canadian season after kind of going back to the U.S. one and it feeling a little bit sort of ho hum. I don't know. Drag Race uh, Canada, Drag Race UK, and Drag Drag Race Holland all feel better than the American season for me. I didn't watch Holland, um, but maybe I should go back. But either way. Lots of Drag Race, some very good, some not quite as good, but I'll take it either way. Yeah, it's all good drag content. But That's right. I think we should wrap up there. Yep. And next time we'll be able to discuss Eurovision 1969 and some more Drag Race. Perfect. Cannot wait. Right then. Well, thank you, Chris, and thanks guys for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye. La 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 la